0: You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Good morning. Come grab a seat. I want to say hi to those of you who are joining us online as well. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's Cam Daly, one of the pastors uh, here at CA Church. I'm the campus pastor at our Rail City campus in Port Moody. Uh, and uh, it's a little enclave of Port Moodyites who gather as CA Church every Sunday to worship Jesus. And our heart is your heart, and your heart is our heart. We are one church, multiple campuses. And I have the privilege of actually coming up and joining you today for both the 9.30, the 11.30. I ran down to Rail City, preached there... So I've got coffee, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. You know, it's starting to look like Christmas, isn't it, right? Merry Christmas, church. Yeah, it's just absolutely stunning, the trees, the lights, the decorations, the advent, candles, wow, amazing. Yesterday I was at uh, Lafarge Lake, and I was able to see the, the lights at the lake. Any of you guys been there? Yeah? A few of you? Stunning, amazing fantastic job. If you were a part of it in any way, shape or form somehow well done. Okay? So I want to say that off the top. It's incredible. I was walking around with my three year old daughter. She was just in awe and wonder and pointing at the deer and pointing at the birds and she just oh, that wow dad look it's beautiful so great now I'm doing the, the full loop and I'm getting near the end and all of a sudden I'm, I'm starting to feel like a little bit like irked. A little bit you know at the lights. A little bit curmudgeon knee. because I've seen the the Christmas butterflies and the Christmas flamingos. I've seen the Christmas deer. I've seen the Christmas deck of cards. I've seen the Christmas pirate ship, but I have not seen anything remotely connected to the true meaning of Christmas. I didn't see a nativity scene. I didn't see a barn, not even animal. They even avoided stars. (laughs) I was ready. I was like, pulling out my phone, ready to go on Amazon Prime, buy a Keep Christ in Christmas bumper sticker and slap it on the back of my Ionic. (laughs) But then something hit me. I realized no matter how much we remove the essence of Christmas and the original meaning, there is one prevailing theme that will remain, and that is light, and that is light. What well, all of that display was pointing to was that there is a light in the darkness. They don't even know what they're getting at or why they do it. Why, do we, why are we putting up lights? Whose idea was this anyway? <laughs> well, I assume at some point in church history, we began to light candles and we began to light lights as a outward symbol of this incredible reality that the light of the world has come. The light has Come. And it stirred my heart. It encouraged my heart because I remember the words of Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 2. What does he say? It says, For though the people who walk in darkness will see a great light, for those who live in the land of a deep darkness, a light will shine. The light that Isaiah prophesied about came to earth in Jesus. This is what we believe. This is what we are fixating on this Christmas here at CA Church. And Advent is a reminder each year that this light has come. Now, one of the disciples, the Apostle John, he's the youngest disciple, he lived the longest, he penned these words in the beginning of his gospel. These incredible words that bring our minds to not just how the light has come, but where was the light and who was the light before the start of the universe. And he writes these words that maybe feel theologically complex, but they have incredible meaning for you and me as we contemplate and consider the meaning of the season. And so here's what we've done for you this Christmas. We've taken these simple words and we've animated them to bring them to full light, to help us to see with clarity just the incredible, profound nature of what God has done through Jesus. And so if you're willing, you're able... Let's stand and we'll play that video now. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Perhaps one of the most profound scripture readings we've ever had here at CA Church. Oh, the gravitas, the depth of his voice, the power of the imagery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dale Bruner, a commentator, writes this. One feels on holy ground when entering the prologue to the gospel. Here we have the overture to the symphony of the whole gospel. The preface of the greatest story ever told. The introduction to history's central fact. The foreword to the last word. And the preamble to the realities trusted to the worldwide church. Augustine writes in the 29th chapter of The City of God, a Platonist once said, the beginning of this gospel ought to be copied in letters of gold and placed in the most conspicuous place in every church. You see, the Apostle John's rendition of this age-old story is very different than the Christmas stories we find in Matthew and Luke's gospel. Matthew and Luke are concerned with bringing forth the humanity of... infant Christ. There's the sheep and the hay and the mangers and the stars and the wise men and the shepherds and it's very human. You can see yourself in that scene but this is not John's first objective. John is trying to reveal to us where was this Christ? Where was this Messiah? Where was Jesus in the beginning of time before he became an infant in Bethlehem? An English monk, the Venerable Bede, says it this way. The other evangelists, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, describe Christ as born in time. John witnessed that he was in the beginning, saying, in the beginning was the word. The others describe his sudden appearance among men. He witnessed that he was ever with God, saying, the word was with God. The others prove him very man. He, that he is, very God, saying, and the word was God. The others exhibit him as a man conversing with men for a season. He pronounces him as God, abiding with God in the beginning. John is answering a different question in light of the incarnation. Where was he before? A common heresy that began to spring up in the decades following uh, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus was this, is that Jesus was simply just a human being, just a human person. And so John is pushing back against this deception and this lie. He is bringing to our minds and the reader's mind that there is something far more profound going on behind the scenes here. We'll spend the next four weeks digging into these wonders as we head towards Christmas and our hope is this, is that we will see the profound glory of the light of God through this text. For today, let me reread this section because it was a lot, wasn't it, right? The sub was going, the pictures, all that kind of stuff. To bring to mind the text that we are focusing on this afternoon says this in john chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning and through him all things were made and without him nothing made has been made he starts with this theme in the beginning wait a second do you see a connection there To another book, to another text? Is there a light bulb going off? I've read that somewhere before. Perhaps in the beginning of the Bible. Even if you're not a Christian, it's likely you've opened a Bible once before, and it is also likely that you've read this text because it is the very first verse in the very beginning of the Bible. John is drawing our attention to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. This is not a happy accident. This didn't just happen, oh, it just so happens to be like Genesis. He is intentionally drawing our minds there for a reason. Genesis 1 opens with this word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John opens his gospel with this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is on purpose. It's on purpose. John is informing us that in the beginning, the beginning that Moses wrote about, there was another person there another person present the word the word was there too in the beginning was the word but who is this word that it's referring to i've given you many hints already but if you missed it and when i first brought this up actually this text to my wife immediately she said my mind comes to the bible like we always say the word of god right so in the beginning was the word, right? And all of our, like, you know, we're Protestants, so we, we, we would love this interpretation. Uh, you know, evangelicals especially. Uh, many of our Baptist friends would say, yes and amen. In the beginning was the Bible, right? This is not what it's talking about. In the beginning was a person, the logos, called the word. And John is beginning to reveal to us who this word is. Throughout this, these opening 17 verses. He gives us a few clues in the rest of the prologue. Uh, let's look at verse 6 to begin. In verse 6, he says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Which John is this? John the Baptist. And he came to witness to, uh, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. Who was the one whom John pointed to? Jesus. Right, You remember the baptism scene? He's in the water, he's baptizing you know, hundreds of people and suddenly, who comes walking towards the river Jordan? But Jesus of Nazareth, his cousin. And he looks at him and he has this revelation. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One whom I'm not even worthy of untying his sandals. And Jesus is baptized and the Father speaks and the Spirit descends and it's this profound moment. John pointed to Jesus. John is... The apostle is giving us this clue. This is whom this word is. Here's the second clue we see in this text. Verse 14, what does he say? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Whom does the other gospel writers and authors of scripture tell us was the one who came among us? Jesus. Verse 17, this is his mic drop moment. He's going to reveal this person by name. What does he say? The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. John is telling us, he's letting us in on the mystery, friends. He is turning, he's ripping open the veil of Genesis. In the beginning was the word, and that word was Jesus. The word, this ancient word, was Jesus Christ, who was born at what we call Christmas, And this is a theme that we will continue to unpack as we go throughout these weeks. The Christ of Christmas, the baby in the manger, Mary's child, the infant Christ. He was there in the beginning with God. By beginning his gospel this way, the evangelist not only claims that Jesus has a divine identity, but don't miss this. He is claiming that the story he is about to tell is of cosmic importance and significance. It's an audacious claim that one can say what took place in the beginning like Moses did. 14 billion years ago, according to most recent science, but even if you are a young earth person, even to say what took place 6,000 years ago is remarkable. Now, John, even more audaciously, doesn't just tell us what took place in the beginning of time. He begins to let us in on what happened before time itself. That there was a person named God, and there was someone who was with him called the Word. Wow. Profound. John, by the authority given to him by Jesus as an apostle. John, by the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He begins to pen this work. In the beginning was the Word. And Jesus made these claims about himself we were just in a series on abraham john chapter 8 verse 58 what does he say before abraham was i am matthew chapter 1 verse 16 tells us that jesus is from the lineage of abraham so how is it possible that someone is from the lineage of abraham is the seed of abraham and yet they somehow existed before him this is odd But as we begin to flip through John, we begin to see more and more of these revelations, these statements that Jesus makes about himself. One of the most profound is this, and in John chapter 17, verse 5, Jesus says, and now, he's praying, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with glory I had with you before the world began. Jesus knows this truth about himself. He did not begin on that day in Bethlehem. He existed in eternity past. John, through these three verses and through his gospel, goes behind and beyond creation to what and who preceded it. And he takes it further. He tells us three more things about this word. He says the word was with God. The word was God or is God. He doubles down. He was in the beginning with God. He tells us a third thing. And everything was created through him. Let's unpack these statements. They're just a few words, but they have profound significance, especially as we consider the meaning of the season. Let's start with the word was with God. The word was with God. The word who preceded creation was not an independent entity. He was not flying solo. He was not alone. In the beginning of time. He was with God. He was in fellowship and relationship with God. This word is with. Now with. Like it's our best kind of stab at an English translation of this Greek word. To be with someone. But there's some, uh, some other authors and theologians who have translated this a little bit differently to help us just see it a little bit clearer. The first thing he says this, uh, Raymond Brown, he translated it like this. The word was in God's very presence. The word was in God's presence. It was in the presence of God. There's a sense of closeness in that statement. John McHugh, even clearer. The word was in close relationship with God. You see, God is not an it, a force, uh, just a divine mind or even the universe. Some of you guys have been praying to the universe. No. He is a person. He is a person. And people by nature of being people, and you know this in your experience in life, have relationships with other people. And it is the same for God. He was in relationship with the word, a deeply close relationship with this person who John is unveiling to us as the infant Christ, pre-chubby and cuteness and thumb-sucking and first cry and first breath. God had a relationship with him in the very, very, very beginning in eternity past. And we know that John will continue to allude to this close personal relationship that Jesus had with the Father. Think about many times in the text where we see that Jesus goes off to pray, to spend time with the Father. This is not the beginning of something new. This is the continuation of something ancient. Now, that's a lot to take in, isn't it? So let's just, and even I need to do this, take a deep breath. Okay, put your phone away. Because it's about to get even more wild. Jesus, the word, was not just simply with God, in relationship with God, but here's what the text tells. And he was, he is God. He is God. Now these two statements seem to contradict one another, do they not? How can he be with someone and someone at the same time? And this is where theology meets faith. This is where our human minds cannot begin to comprehend the depths and complexities of an infinite being. But John is letting us in on it. He says, the word was God. The word here is not other than God, but is interior to God's own being and identity. This is the theme that John will continue to unpack in his gospel. Look at chapter 10, verse 30. What does he say? He quotes Jesus saying, when Jesus says, the father And I are one. And in John chapter 14, they're having a conversation, Jesus and the disciples, about how to get to heaven. And Jesus says, well, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Thomas, thank you, Thomas. Thomas says, but I want to see the Father. Jesus says, it's profound. He says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Why? Why? is what he just said a few chapters earlier, because the Father and I are one. This is what John is trying to bring to our attention this afternoon. John here in this prologue and later in his Gospels, are declaring that not only was Jesus in relationship with the Father since the beginning, he is one with the Father. He is G-O-D, God. He is not a lowercase g, God. He is not a God. He is God. And this pushes back against some of the lies that we believe about Jesus. Some of you are like, hey, I like Christmas, I like Jesus, I like the teachings of Jesus, but he was not God. I just, it's nonsense. And John is pushing back right now. You're in a conflict of worldviews with him. This also pushes back against the heresies of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. I'm not trying to be offensive, but this text makes it clear, okay? Okay. Jesus is not a God. He is not an angelic being. He is God in the flesh. This is what it is telling us. The word revealed to be Jesus was with God and he is God. Let that sink in for a moment as you consider the season. Frederick Dale Bruner, once again, he says, We are not simply, though we are indeed, meeting a great man when we encounter Jesus in the gospel. From the beginning John wants to make the unique subject and object of the gospel crystal clear. We are meeting the very God in very real human being. The divinity of Jesus becomes clear by degrees in the other gospels and epistles. John wants to make Jesus divinity clear from the first two verses and we owe John's emphasis a great deal. He's not being vague. He's not beating around the bush. You don't need to read through the lines and in between the lines. He is telling us explicitly and clearly that Jesus, the word, is God. Now, if you were somebody in that day and in that time who was reading this passage, let's say you were a Jew, you might be wondering to yourself, "But what God are you talking about?" Or if you were like a Gentile, you were a Roman or you were a Greek and you were reading this in the original languages or you're hearing it be shared with you audibly, you might wonder, okay, well, what God is he referring to? Now, John helps us once again by drawing our attention back to Genesis chapter one. He's using similar language here. Where was the creation narrative? It is found in Genesis chapter one. So what he is telling us is this, is that Somehow this word was in the beginning and was also the creator of all things. But where is the word in Genesis chapter 1? Like the word that he's talking about in Genesis chapter 1. Well, we're told he's there, but where can he see him? Well, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. We'll start in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he says, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness." Note that darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God, spirit, the breath of God, the Ruach of God. He was hovering over the deep and God said, what did he say? He said words. What were his first words? Let there be light. And there was light. Now this happens each day of creation. Seven different times God makes a divine utterance and then that thing is created. And in the third verse and in the sixth verse he makes a number of other things that he says totaling to ten words. Ten words that create the entirety of the cosmos. The trees, the mountains, the clouds, the rain. The stars in the sky. Galaxies, black holes, planets. Your dog sitting at home. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and human beings like you and me. With fingers, toes, noses, lungs, hearts, and minds to comprehend the realities of this God who made them. John is drawing our attention back to Genesis to say it is the same God whom we have believed for generation upon generation is the creator of everything. This is the very same God. He was there in the beginning and he has created everything. Now, I was trying to think of an example to explain this complex theological idea so you would stay awake this morning. Jesus, the word, is following the father's blueprint and directions as he speaks, and he as the carpenter is putting it all together. I think it's just convenient that Jesus was a carpenter. Does this remind you of your childhood at all? I remember this in my childhood. My dad would be reading the instructions, the IKEA furniture, or whatever it is, shouting out orders, grab the screwdriver, the screw, you know, turn this, set up this, do this. And you know, me or my brother would be the one actually fulfilling. His will. And this is what is happening, John is telling us. That the Father is giving instruction, his will for creation. And now Jesus is following perfectly in sync. Without the nagging and the ragging, you know. Perfectly in harmony. Bringing forth creation by the will of the Father. Let me give you a, another example. There was a woman at the First Presbyterian Church in New Haven, Connecticut. She was trying to make sense of this text and here's the way she summarized it. And she did it far more concisely than any of the commentators I read this week. Trust me. Here's what she said. I think that the way a human being's audible words relate to his or her inaudible thoughts, which we very much want to know, Is the way that the divine human Jesus relates to the invisible God, whom we very much want to know. Let me read it one more time. I think that the way a human being's audible words relate to his or her inaudible thoughts, which we very much want to know, is the way that the divine human Jesus relates to the invisible God, whom we very much want to know. We know, we, we, we long to know what the important people in our lives are thinking, don't we? And we get this deeply desired knowledge when? When they talk. And the great God talks to the human race, most specifically and specially in Jesus. We long to know who God is and what he thinks and does. And in Jesus, his most personal word, God has spoken to us in the most human way possible, giving us his innermost thoughts and heart, in deeds that are as profound as his words. This is what Jesus did. And he said this, I don't do anything on my own accord. I only do what the father tells me to do. And this happened in the beginning of time and it happened in the life of Jesus and it is still happening to this day. Jesus, in the most human way possible, began to describe to us what God is like and who he is and his heart, his heart for us, his love for us, His care for us, his compassion for us, his kindness to us. And this happens in the story of Christmas as Jesus enters humanity, declaring to the world there is light in the darkness, declaring to you and me that there is hope, declaring to us that there is love. That we do not worship a God who is far away. We do not worship a deistic God who is just impartial. We do not worship a being who set things in motion and is disconnected from creation. We worship a God who is personal, who is in relationship, who has entered humanity and come among us. And Jesus is that God. And he has declared to us in human language and in human form these unknown and incredible realities. Yeah. <laughs> is that good. And if you were a first century person who was hearing this, you probably would have said, Holy Toledo. I'm just kidding. You probably would have said, Holy, 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 or something like that. Because wait a moment. This isn't just any God. He's not just simply a God. He is the creator, the maker of the heavens and earth. He is the one who made all things, all things, every Little thing was made. And for good measure, he tells us, and without him, nothing, no thing, not a one thing was made that has been made. This is incredible. So maybe you're a visitor and you're inquiring about faith. You're just checking this out. I don't know. Maybe your aunt dragged you in here. Maybe you saw a lot of cars in the parking lot. You thought, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe you're here because you're in the middle of a crisis or a challenge or a difficulty. Maybe you're in the darkness. You're looking for some light. You need to contend with the gospel this morning. You need to decide what you believe about this word. Not all at once. It can take time. But if this is true, it changes absolutely everything. And yes, you can reject it. You're fully within your rights to do so. God made it that way. Love, to love someone is a choice. God did not make human robots, but human beings with wills who could decide. But you need to consider this story once again and the complexity of the philosophy and the theology that John has been unpacking for us this morning. If you are a follower of Jesus, and I'll invite the band up at this point, there's also something you need to do. You need to not allow yourself to believe this just to simply be news or old news. I've read John one before. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus came at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Silent night, lighting the candle. Okay, no, friends, this is not just news. This is not just old news. This is incredibly good news, profound news that will change your existence forever—not just in the present, but in eternity future. I am so grateful for the moment. The beauty of the gospel was shared with me and I saw the glorious light of who Jesus was when I was 16 years old it has changed the trajectory of my life now some of you were born in the nursery and you've heard this before and time and time again I got to tell you as someone who did not grow up with this hope and with this light and with this news I am telling you it is incredibly good news do not allow it to pass you by This is the gospel. The God of the universe entered human flesh. He loves you. He has forgiven you. He came for you. He has not forgotten about you. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. And Christ will give you light. See the gospel again see it again because there are thousands of people outside of this building right now they are hopeless they are in darkness and here you are just thinking la-di-da no it is not receive it believe it put your hope in it even if it's the 80th time that you've heard it Jesus the word in the beginning Jesus who is with God Jesus who is God Jesus who was there in the beginning Jesus who created and made all things you are in this place right now we can sense your presence And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, not my own authority, not my own power, yours alone, would you awaken the hearts of of us as the congregation this morning. God, I pray for my friends who do not believe. God, would you help their unbelief? I pray for my friends that are struggling to believe. Help them to believe. By the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, help us once again to see the beauty and goodness of the gospel of Jesus. And would this not just be another Christmas, but a time which we once again wonder as the infinite infant Christ came to humanity lest we forget, God. We love you. We will respond now by singing. And as we sing, would our faith begin to rise? I'm praying just faith in this room for us to believe. Give us minds to comprehend all that we've spoken about. We need you, God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of C.A. Church.